Thrilled to be joined by Seneca College's finest from the 2004 radio program, Dan Legieri, who I understand is child-free at the moment for at least the next couple of hours. Dano, how are you? I'm doing well, uh, Randy. Thanks for having me. And uh, in between working 50-hour work weeks, and I believe he's having a small break from raising his little ones also, Tony Antonio is back. Tony, you... Uh, uh, Sorry. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. I'm doing doing awesome. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, uh, for joining me. And today's episode, Kyrie Irving says he was the best option on every team he was on until now, being teammates with Kevin Durant, insinuating LeBron James is not at KD's level. Is Roger Center getting a facelift or getting ready for the wrecking ball? Talks have reportedly surfaced that either scenario is possible. The once known Skydome is a mere 31 years of age. Canada has announced their winner for top athlete in 2020, and it goes to two individuals, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, winner of the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, now taking a one-year sabbatical, treating residents of his hometown in Montreal during the pandemic. And Alfonso Davies, whose footballing powerhouse Bayern Munich captured the German Bundesliga, as well as the UEFA Super Cup and the prestigious UEFA Champions League in 2020. And a number of unique and groundbreaking uh, stories have taken place all in the past couple of weeks from the Vancouver Canucks and their relationship with their longtime anthem singer has ended. Colin Kaepernick is now an ice cream flavor. And a woman is making headlines suiting up for a top NCAA football team. That and so much more. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. Let's move over to the NBA. And it seems that the tumultuous relationship of Kyrie Irving and LeBron James continues. As Irving bolted the Cavaliers for the Celtics, it seems both sides ended their relationship rather amicably. Now Kyrie on Kevin Durant's podcast says he was always the best option to close out a game in, throughout his entire career until now as he is teammates with Kevin Durant. Of course, this leaves everyone saying, what about the time he spent with LeBron James? Dan, uh, during our... Um, chats uh, on messenger before uh, getting together today you wanted to address this topic uh why so uh, Kyrie Irving is, uh, is is annoying me more and more as the days <laughs> goes on I, I sort of uh, I forgave him or I, who am I to, to forgive anybody but I'm saying in my mind I forgave him for you know being a staunch flat earth believer and sort of trying to push that agenda um, you know, we talk about athletes having a political stance or, or talking about uh, social injustices. 
you know, for him to to push a flat earth uh, theory is, is, is one thing uh, and, and something that, you know, maybe should have uh, tainted him in a lot of people's minds. I don't know. He just, he, he strikes me as a guy who's um, almost ungrateful, uh, almost unwilling to, um, or unable to step out of his own ego to, you know, really see the world for what it is. And he seems to be jumping on this. LeBron is not as good as everybody uh thinks he is or, or as his stats or as his play would suggest he is, you know, and maybe because we're living it, we're watching it. I don't know. Uh, Gretzky went through the same thing a little bit uh, too young as well to sort of understand what it was like while he was playing. If people hated him as much as uh, they seem to hate LeBron just for being great at what he does, but to suggest that, uh, you know, LeBron is in clutch or some of the other guys that he's played for is in clutch. You know, he's had, uh, he had great teammates in college. He had great teammates in, high school i think he played with uh kid gilchrist in high school so like he's always been surrounded by great players on his team he's never never been successful as a solo artist as as a guy like lebron would be he took the um he took the cavaliers to the finals by himself before Kyrie showed up you know so and it could have been me as point guard randy you as small forward and tony as center and lebron probably still would have taken us to the finals that year so to, so to suggest that, you know, he's not clutches is just laughable. And, you know, I've never wanted a team to fall flat on their face like I do Brooklyn this year. Um, and as you know, you, you can't doubt their talents, Kyrie and Durant. But again, they're, they're two personalities that are becoming really hard to root for, really hard to want to succeed. Well, it was uh, 2011 when Kyrie Irving was drafted by the Cavaliers and there were three seasons uh, where the Cavs were always in the uh, lottery uh, throughout uh, a, a pre-LeBron returning to Cleveland. And then when uh, James and uh, Irving, along with Kevin Love, uh, assembled, they went to the finals four times. Of course, they won in 16. I, I ple- completely think Kyrie Irving has lost his mind. Uh, it's one thing to believe in yourself, to talk the talk, but his resume is what it is where he just hasn't had any sort of evidence to say that he is that uh, guy. Now, having said that, I do really admire and I like it when people, uh, when athletes put themselves out there, I, I think that uh, for example, when LeBron said that uh, he wants uh, his respect too, when he was, uh, you know, uh, get, uh, during the trophy celebration for the Lakers uh, this past uh uh, well, a couple months ago, when he wants when he wants his respect as well, I think that was great, and I think that's really um, alluring to uh, me for people to just uh, really believe in uh, themselves. But uh, Tony, I-, I am curious to know when it comes to uh, somebody like Kyrie, uh, when they do talk uh, away from the court, when they I guess trash talk each other. Where does that leave a guy like you? I, I mean, do you like that sort of back and forth away from the uh, the playing field? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think, you know, as an NHL fan, you'd love to see the personalities of NHL players come out more. Um, Kyrie Irving's a tough guy to take seriously sometimes. I'm actually trying to figure him out still. I have no idea. Uh, he is a phenomenal player. Um there is obviously something between him and LeBron James. And it's maybe something that's happened beyond behind the scenes that we have no clue about. 
but I'm like you, Randy. I appreciate his confidence. I appreciate him putting himself out there. But man, like what? The more he shows some this infatuation with LeBron James, I think the worse he makes himself look. Just focus on the team you have. Stop talking about a guy you haven't played with in over four years now and move on and let's see what you're made of. Because guess what? In Boston, they went a hell of a lot further without you than they did with you. So he's got to look in the mirror and start thinking, all right, let's get off LeBron because I'm not going to win this battle. I'm not going to win the PR battle against LeBron James. That's for sure. He's he's the king. He's the king. Everybody loves him. There's nothing he can do wrong. I ain't going to win this. Uh, guys, as uh, three residents of the greater Toronto area, I, uh, Dan, I don't know if you can recall uh, what uh, baseball was like uh, before the Sky Dome, but I sure can. And I'm sure Tony can also. It was 31 years ago when the Blue Jays were playing along uh, the grounds of uh, BMO Field, uh, moving a couple of kilometers east to Sky Dome. And at the time, it was an architectural marvel. Uh, with nicknames such as the eighth wonder of the world. These days, more and more fans seem to be intrigued with what some renovations can do. Uh, A couple of scenarios now have surfaced, such as renovating uh, what is now called Rogers Center or moving into a new facility altogether. Um, Dan, is this necessary? Like, are we, do we, or the city of Toronto need to get a new stadium, especially with today's climate being what it is? Well, if you phrase it like that, no, it, it, it's less important. But if you just look at the Sky Dome as itself and if it needs to be torn down or renovated or do the Blue Jays need a new stadium, yes. It's, it's, it's been um, – it's, it's like you said, it, it, was, it was a marvel at the time. You know, nobody else had a retractable roof like that. Uh, it, it's situated perfectly at the at the base of the CN Tower and made for a, you know, a great skyline and all those sort of things. But if you're in the Rogers Center or if you've been in the Skydome, you know that it's 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 a it's, it's a concrete slab. Like there, there's no warmth to it. There's no there's very little atmosphere. You feel miles away from everything, uh, especially if you're seeing something that's not a baseball game. Uh, if you're seeing a concert or anything else there, it's just it feels like you're just miles away. Um, and yeah, I, I would uh, I would be 100% in favor. You know, outside of the um, you know current uh, fiscal climate and that sort of thing, just you know purely on the on the sake of you know, does this arena need to be updated and retrofitted or completely torn down and built again? Yes, it's it's, it's time. It's been 31 years. Uh, Randy, you mentioned this to us off the air where you know. Um, certain cities have had, you know, two different stadiums built within those 31 years that, that the Rogers center has been, has been standing. So it's, it's, it's time for a refresh. Uh, and it may even go a long way in, in showing uh, MLB players that, you know, this is a legitimate place to come and play. You know, we're not just playing in a 30 year old barn. That's, you know, that's uh, seemingly, you know, will, if not already starting to fall apart, the, um, the allure of the retractable roof is, is no longer unique to Toronto. Um, so, yeah, so I would say, yeah, it, it's time to do something with it for sure. I, you know, I, I think that, uh, and of course there are definitely um, uh, the retractable roof is uh, something that has really uh, 
been evolutionary and uh, cities uh, with such facilities have uh, more efficient ways of closing uh, or transforming an outdoor to, uh, facility to an indoor facility, Miller Park in Milwaukee, uh, for example. But, you know, Tony, uh, I'm interested to know what you think, uh, considering that you are a Buffalo Bills fan and assuming that you are uh, have gone to New Era Field, uh, which uh, most people have considered is an outdated kind of facility. I have been there a number of times and find it to be a great place to watch a football game that you don't need the bells and whistles that new stadium uh, have. Do you find that there is some relation to perhaps Skydome that it's a city where we have experienced as uh, Blue Jays fans a great deal of history. It is where uh, Toronto has won their two World Series, uh, plus a, a number of other events also. Is it really imperative or necessary at this, uh, just, I guess, period? Um, well, yes, I do. I think it's, it's, it's outdated. The unfortunate, and by the way, first of all, the eighth wonder of the world is Andre the Giant, not the Rogers Center. Noted. Um, um, <laughs> you know, the unfortunate thing with the Rogers Center, it was built. It was an amazing thing. We all loved it. And then the next year, Camden Yards came out and we we're like, oh, shit, we could have been something a little more creative, make it look a little more retro, old school, and it still would have been nice. Um, you can't hold on to history because if we did, we'd still have Maple Leaf Gardens because a lot of good things happened there. And, you know, we needed a new arena. Um, I think it is necessary. Do I think, you know, do they need to blow the place up and rebuild it? Yes, I do. Because like that concrete, <laughs> concrete slab that Daniel uh, mentions, Dan mentions that it, there's only so much you can do there to retrofit the place. Right. Uh, my only question is, where do you play while you're being rebuilt? What happens to the employees there? There's a million things you're going to have to take into consideration. I have a good friend who was furloughed. Um, because of the pandemic, what happens if they tear down the building and say, like, is he ever going to work again? Those are questions you have to ask yourself. You know, they work in suites, they work in, you know, there's a lot of things to balance there that I have a hard time um, trying to deal with only because, like I said, I have a friend who works there and, and I feel really bad for him right now. Uh, but yes, it is necessary. I mean, when the place is full and the team's doing great, it's an amazing place to be. One of my favorite memories at the Rogers Center was the game you mentioned, the David Beckham game. What an atmosphere for a soccer game. But uh, I, th I think if, you know, to catch up with the times, even with the Buffalo Bills, you know, that's a different story. That's, you know, eight weeks of the year. The fans there are going to show up. The place is going to be full. But what does the Rogers Center look like when it's empty, right? Not very good. And um, you have to have more appealing features for the players like Dan said, to attract free agency. These things matter to these athletes these days, unfortunately. And um, it's, you know, something nicer to look at. And uh, perhaps uh, the Blue Jays may need to have as uh, many features and as many bells and whistles as possible, especially this off season with the amount of, uh, with the rumors that do persist of such uh, players like Francisco Lindor and uh, George Springer and uh, Trevor Bauer uh, rumored to be uh, <laughs> signing with Toronto and Tony's laughing. 
you know what? Thank God that the Jays are owned by a telecommunications giant because with all the phone calls and rumors and being close to people that they are, you know, Shatkins must be running up the phone bill pretty good. Well, and uh, hey, uh, during uh, 2015 and 16, when uh, the Jays were making the ALCS, I don't think anybody was complaining about Rogers uh, and their services. Uh, it does go hand in hand. <laughs> Unlimited data for both of them, I hope. <laughs> I hope. Who knows with Rogers, they probably wouldn't even give it to them. So let's uh, move over to the national landscape. And uh, enjoyable part of this time of year for, for myself uh, is when the Lou Marsh Trophy gets announced. And a, a number of uh, deserving uh, candidates get this honor. Uh, you think about last year with Bianca Andrescu, who uh, took the world of tennis by storm and has really made a name for tennis, especially in this country. For the first time in 38 years, uh, co-winners have captured the Lou Marsh as Canada's top athlete, soccer star Alfonso Davies and NFL lineman Laurent Duvernay-Tardif will share the honor. Of course, Duvernay-Tardif uh, won the Super Bowl in uh, uh, January uh, against uh, with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and took a one-year sabbatical as he is a medical doctor treating residents in his hometown of Montreal uh, during the pandemic. Dan, your thoughts. Do you agree uh, with uh, this being a co uh, a, a, a co winners uh, have been uh, declared as the winner of the Lou Marsh? Uh, <clears throat> well, this is a, this is a, a sensitive one, so I'll, I'll, I'll tread as lightly as I can. Um, I almost think that um, again, I, I, my my French Canadian is is not as good as Randy's, and my inflection is not as good. So I'm just going to call him Doctor Football for uh, to be really disrespectful <laughs> to him and to uh, and, and to you know just to sort of keep the conversation going. So so Doctor Football is um, you know without a doubt a great human being. You know to um, and, and I'm going to take some words right out of Tony's mouth, and I apologize, Tony, but to, to sort of walk away from your profession to do what you feel is in the nation's best interest as far as keeping people healthy um, should be commended. And it almost feels like the Lou Marsh isn't good enough to recognize the sacrifice that this guy made on a personal note to, again, step aside from a championship team, you know, not notwithstanding to, you know, go work on the front lines and, uh, and do everything that he can to sort of help uh, COVID patients and to sort of uh, help flatten the curve and that sort of thing. Um, but the Lou Marshall Award in itself has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And I, and I liken it to the Norris Trophy in the NHL in my mind, where the Norris Trophy is supposed to be for the best defenseman in the game. And year after year, we see it given to the best offensive defenseman which doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best defensemen. Like they're not the best at keeping the puck out of their net, but they're the best at putting the puck in the net, which isn't the point. And I know this is radio, so air quotes. It's, it's not the point of a defenseman's job. Um, so the Lou Marsh Award, um, you know, you, you look down the list and you see you see a pattern. You see guys like Crosby and Votto, uh, Mario Lemieux, Larry Walker, guys who are stars in, in major 
uh, North American sports win the award. And then every four years you see names like, uh, uh, I don't know, Adam Vancouver Dan or, uh, you know, Chantal, uh, Petta Clerk, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm massacring that name as well, but these are, these are amateur athletes that participate in the Olympics. So to my mind, you know, Al- Alfonso Davies winning this year, again, hard to argue against because he's, he's, he's probably our, our greatest uh, export as far as uh, international football or soccer goes. He's playing on the best team in the world right now. And he's shining in that role. Like he's not just a big player. He's not just uh coming off the bench every once in a while. He is like, he's, he's one of the driving forces of the success of that team. So it's hard to take that away from him. Uh, Dr. Football, again, as a football player, maybe not as celebrated, maybe not as vital to the success of the Kansas City Chiefs as Patrick Mahomes would be or Travis Kelsey or, or other stars on that team that for an offensive-minded team, you know, you're not looking at, uh, at guys who, uh, who aren't putting up points as the reason that they won. Um, so, you know, has he done, has Dr. Football done something to further Canadian sports internationally or even domestically to sort of celebrate what they've done while playing the game? Or has he done something that, you know, maybe even deserves the Order of Canada, if you really think about it and really talk about it that way? Um, so this seems like a grab from the Lou Marsh um, voting committee as, uh, as something that's maybe doesn't fit the mold of what the award is. Uh, and then the award itself, again, you know, if, if I, if I had sort of any, uh, if I had any kind of uh, power to do so, I would, I would ultimately work towards changing what this award represents. Uh, I would avoid giving it to stars on big teams, making big money and really focus on amateur sports uh, and promote, um, you know, Canadian citizens getting involved in those sports, letting them know that they can be a free sky, a, a, a ski jumper, or or they can be a curler, or they can be, you know, a, a ping pong player, or something that doesn't have to amount to you being an international superstar like Crosby, like when you like Alfonso Davies. I hope that that came across the right way. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it did. Tony, do you think that uh, there should be any changes to, I guess, uh, clearly? Uh, determine the um, process in terms of uh, what a Lou Marsh recipient should have? Yeah, they should have more than three games played in a year. And uh, I don't think offensive linemen will, I don't think you'll ever see an offensive lineman win an athlete of the year again. Prediction. Um, you know, I disagree with Dan a bit with the, uh, amateur sports i think i think it should be all inclusive i think professional athletes should be included because generally speaking if you look at this list on olympic years you're more than likely going to get a ha- you're going to get one of those athletes win the lou marsh depending on what they do that year generally speaking if you go through the list you see you know daniel agali caroline brunet Saleh and peltier see i speak french better than you do uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we even had a wheelchair racer I see here. So that's that part doesn't bother me. It's, the, you know, and again, I'm like, Dan, it's hard to get mad. It's hard to get mad at a guy who, you know, put himself on the back burner to help people. So 
the argument we're making is kind of we're going to put ourselves just go in circles here because, oh, I'm not mad, but I won't do this. But I wish they had done this. But he did, you know, give up his career to go help COVID patients, which is really cool and commendable. But Order of Canada is nice. If we had like a Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year type of deal going on here, you know, give that to him. Um, I, you know, I guess selfishly as a soccer guy, I just I wanted I wanted the soccer player to, to be the standalone winner this year. You know, it, I thought, I thought it was really important, especially in a year like 2020, where we had, I'm doing the air quotes too. Now the whole social, the year of the social justice movement, how awesome would it be to have the, the, you know, the, the young refugee who came to Canada and has risen to what he is at 19, 20 years old, that would have been a phenomenal story standalone you know, this is Canada. This is what happens when you work and you get and you put your mind to what you're talented at and, and, and achieve these, this great accomplishment. So that's where I'm coming from. But, you know, hey, how can you be mad? I mean, the guy's story. I'll say this, though. If he was still playing on the 11 and one Kansas City Chiefs team, what they are right now, he wouldn't get a consideration. He wouldn't be, be close to the to like top two or three. Well, in my opinion, to winning or for consideration, I think consideration winning is it. one thing, winning, uh, yeah. winning it. And of course they talk about him. Yeah. Because uh, I, I think I, uh, I think I heard that uh, only four Canadians have won the Super Bowl. So uh, to that, I think that there is uh, something also, and I definitely valid uh, with uh, what both of you have said, but I think that there is just this, insistence on athletes just focusing on one sport you're not going to get um, kids who are involved in multiple sports and I mean if you ever get to the opportunity where we could even remotely see somebody like um, uh, Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson who were uh, multi-sport athletes and uh, well Haley Wickenheiser she uh, took part in softball as well uh uh, along with uh, the incredible things she did with uh, with hockey, so uh, it would be very interesting to see uh, when Duvernay Tardif uh, comes back to the NFL uh, once COVID is uh, behind us. How Alfonso Davies is going to lead uh, Canada towards uh, the uh, World Cup as they uh, proceed uh, with uh, trying to qualify, and of course, uh, years down the road when Canada. Uh, along with USA and Mexico host the World Cup in 2026. So uh, finally, guys, there is um, a number of uh, issues and uh, stories uh, that have made headlines over the past couple of weeks uh, regarding uh, social positions, as well as groundbreaking uh, scenarios uh, in uh, the world of sports. And the Vancouver Canucks had uh, released their longtime anthem singer as he took part in an anti-mask rally. And a report said that uh, he was concerned that this may happen. Lo and behold, it did. And of course, we all know the story of Colin Kaepernick, the position that he did take uh, with regards to the national anthem while a member of the San Francisco 49ers now the ice cream giant Ben and Jerry developed a flavor in honor of the embattled quarterback. To start with these two first, uh, Tony, 
how do you uh, how do you I guess surmise what uh, the Canucks had done with regards to uh, their anthem singer? I mean, is it something that was a no brainer, or was it something that you think that is? Um, I guess uh, for the court of public opinion, that this is something that they did have to do. Uh, no, they didn't have to do it. Um, the reason they did it is because they're cowards. I mean, you're taking away freedom of speech. Now, anti-mask rallies, I'm sure they sound ridiculous to people, but um, it's no more ridiculous than uh, thousands of people protesting downtown for social issues in the middle of a pandemic. It's no different. Um, 20, 2020 has taught me that, you know, freedom of speech is okay to a certain point. You go to a place where you're not supposed to go to, according to, you know, popular thought, and you're in trouble. I wish the Vancouver Canucks thought the same way when Todd Bertuzzi nearly took a guy's life on the ice uh, several years back. They, they, were, they, were, they weren't quick to, to send him shipping, right, when, when he took out uh, Moore. I, it's just, it drives me nuts what's happening these days that a guy who believes in something, wants to stand up for something, is not hurting anybody, not killing anybody, although, you know, most people think he is because, you know, if you stand in the middle of a crowd, you're a mass murderer in the year of COVID-19. Um, I think it's unfair. That's just, it's, it's unfair. Like, if, if you want to protest this, it should be fine. If you want to protest that, you should be fine. But it, there's just huge hypocrisy going on. 2020 has been crazy for that man, and I've been I've been triggered and lit up about it. And I'm you know, and we've had these conversations already in a previous podcast we did. So you guys know my opinions on that. I think it's tremendously unfair, and I think it's sad. I think we're at a place where it's going to be tough moving forward. And I don't want to teach my kids that either. Like I, I, I want to teach them to stand up for something and, and, and what they believe in too. So the, these, this stuff is, is kind of getting on my nerves. Dano, your thoughts? Uh, it's a little bit funny because the second part of your question was Colin Kaepernick's Ben and Jerry naming a, an ice cream after them, which I, really, and I mean this with all love, like who gives a shit if they name an ice cream after him? Well, Colin Kaepernick is another guy who lost his job for standing up for what he believed in. And he lost it very publicly. He lost it in a big way. Um, so, you know, I, I, I understand where Tony's coming from, where, you know, things seem to be more sensitive and uh, we seem to be quicker to react than we used to be. Uh, and that's only going to get worse as, you know, information becomes more readily available and social media is uh, very prevalent in our lives. Uh, but as the anthem singer for a corporation, you know, you represent the corporation at the end of the day. It's not just a hockey team. Uh, this is a, an organization that works in the community. It works with kids. It works with families. It works, you know, with, um, you know, who knows how many charities that the Vancouver Canucks are involved. So the last thing that they want is um, to have a guy standing with a singular spotlight on him before their game starts and have people associate that with an anti-masker or to associate that with somebody who doesn't, align themselves with what the corporation uh, stance is on that issue, whether or not these, you know, their president, Trevor Linden, or, you know, anybody else who's involved in the organization feels that way. The Vancouver Canucks as an entity have decided that they are on the side of masks, which, you know, 
sounds uh, simple enough. And their anthem singer went against that. So he went against what they stand for. And, you know, it's no different than, you know, if he worked for uh, McDonald's in a very public avenue, if he worked for Bell or Rogers or anybody else that's, that's a major corporation that worries about uh, PR ramifications. And it's, it's easier in the long run to get rid of somebody rather than uh, stand up for them or allow them to voice their freedom of speech in, in, in such a hotly contested or, you know, a very divisive area such as, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on right now. So I, I understand the move. Uh, you know, do I support it? That That's a different question. Um, again, but if I was the CEO of a company and if Randy, if you were my guy who, uh, you know, introduced everybody to whatever the hell we were doing and then you went against something that we as an organization believe, yeah, you got to go. And that's, it's unfortunate. Um, and, you know, and, and honestly, I think he should have known better to say that, you know, I'm a quasi celebrity in this city, uh, even across Canada. You know, he's made a name for himself. He's a, he can definitely sing. He uh, maybe even famous for dri- uh, tripping over a rug or two while he was uh, trying to sing on skate. So he's become somewhat of a personality associated with the Canucks. Um, and again, to, to go against your corporate masters is, is never a good idea. And he should have almost expected to, to lose his job because of it, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. I, and da- sorry, Daniel, this, it has nothing to do with what their stance is. It has to do with their responsibility to sponsorship, fear of losing sponsorship money. That's what it's all about. The, the Vancouver Canucks have a responsibility to all their fan base, everybody who pays for season tickets. And I guarantee you, they're not all, you know, um, COVID Corona bro society. Let's, let's call it that to steal a quote from uh, Clay Travis of uh, Outkick. You should read his stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, they've got a responsibility to all of them. I'm sure there is a large portion of their fan base who are pissed off with this decision right now. Are they going to stand up for them? No, they're going to cave to the pressures of media and, and sponsorship. And, and it is about money. I, I get that. But th- this is not about you know the the ownership having some kind of pulse and some kind of moral you know please i don't buy that for a second this is about caving to the pressures of the media it's the same reason why our government locks us down restricts us closed down small business this is about caving to the pressures of media and and you know that's why i i don't buy that i'm sorry you know you have a responsibility to all your fans like i said and I'm sh- pretty sure, just like Michael Jordan used to say, Republicans buy shoes too, man. You, you've got to take everybody in consideration and just blanket fire a guy for, for having, you know, a, an opinion. I mean, I, I, I just have a hard time uh, having, um, I, I just have a hard time to accept that not wearing a mask is on the same level as wearing a mask because... This is something that uh, the, the three of us, I mean, as we have to worry about our own self, uh, our, our own health and our own well-being, that the two of uh, the three of us have to worry about our elders, our, uh, you know, relatives who may be immune, immune compromised and what um, the <laughs> anthem singer um, is in support of threatens the health and well-being of certain people. And people potentially close to us. Well, here, here's the thing. It's 
there is more than enough evidence out there. there there's been studies done. I work at a hospital. There is more than enough reason to say masks don't work. I, they're not they're not the torpedo that you shoot out and it's going to solve all COVID. Look at our numbers every day. Everybody's masks for crying out loud. Look at our, our, our numbers keep going up every day. There is reason for people to think this something something something's up here. And I get it. I can't I can't argue with them because you see it. I work at a hospital. I've got to be fitted every, you know, two years. I've got to be fitted for a mask because, you know, things might change. I might need a different level. So these things, these cloth masks, these whatever, they're not, they're not a hundred percent proof study done in Denmark showing that, you know, what, what, you know, Dr. Fauci said back in March, masks are ridiculous. Now, Teresa Tam is telling us that, well, if you do wear a mask, it's going to have three layers with a filter. Well, are you going to pay for it? So I understand when somebody is arguing. Now, if you're bunched up in an indoor room rallying against this thing together like a bunch of idiots, I'll say yes. But I'm sorry, if you're outdoors and, and you're, you're, properly, you're properly dispersed and the my the thing that bothers me is that you know this so much shaming has happened in 2020 and i think it's been conditioned in us by mainstream media the way this virus has been covered the dishonesty that we're getting from our media that i have a problem being upset at people for saying you know what hang on enough's enough like you're not telling me everything straight so i i, I got a problem here right and that's what freedom of speech is about once upon a time. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember the stuff that it was okay to question things. Right. Well, yeah. Now, but if, I mean, if these what? guys, if these guys are running around spitting on people and breathing on them and saying, <coughs> you know, I, you know, you got COVID now. Fuck. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's throw the book at him. Let's fire him. Let's make sure, he's, you know, but I don't know. It but just, I, I think I, I think Tony, like, okay, now to that, okay, now intentionally, uh, you know, spreading your germs uh, as the way that you uh, uh, described is one thing. But I mean, like, to um, incidentally uh, spread your uh, bacteria and germs by a conversation, of course, uh, spit and travel uh, travels the way that it does, and yeah, your chances decrease if you're outdoors, but. This wasn't an outdoor uh, platform that uh, Emerson had uh, with regards to this um, this rally. And it, I think another thing also is that this whole thing with the uh, with mainstream media, look, obviously this is not a mainstream media platform, this podcast, but I have a real problem with the critics of mainstream media and what their counter is, if you consider an Infowars, if you consider a Newsmax, if you consider some uncredited, and uh, you know whether your um, sources are credited or not, I mean, I'm assuming that there is a validity to it, perhaps. But you mean you mean actual doctors who are suppressed for having alternative opinions? Like, what what do you mean? What what gives? When did mainstream media, CNN, NBC, whatever, we go through that, when did they become the arbiters of truth? Like all of a sudden they're, they're, they're going to tell us what it's like. 
So you're saying we're supposed okay. to believe everything they tell us? Is that what you're saying? But, okay, now to- who is who is <laughs> they? Who is they? Because uh, now I have I have the holy trinity of American media. Okay, uh, my uh, we don't have Fox News. I can't tell you where MSNBC is located, and I get frustrated to all hell when my wife watches CNN. So yeah. that's uh, now when it comes to Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. Uh, I put them right up there with Laura Ingram and uh, Sean Hannity because they yeah. disguised their uh, their platform as opinion to the information uh, gathering that is twenty uh, four hour news. Having said that, I think that there is a lot more validity towards Canadian platforms, twenty four seven news channels such as uh, Newsnet, CP twenty four because there is less of an emphasis on opinion that they are more so now of course uh, that isn't the case uh, all the time but there is a different dynamic from opinion shows such as Tucker Carlson versus the um, news wheel that does exist uh, in this country more so um I don't know, Dan, if you want to take a shot at this, I'll say one more thing to it. You might be right, but I don't know. I just, you know, just watching the way some of these news outlets craft their stories and their headlines when you're reading stuff or when you're looking at news reports through Twitter, there's always, you can, you can see the agenda inside the story. I, you know, I have been, it's, it's, they don't even hide it anymore. It's, it's in your face. I don't know what you're watching. I mean, I see it. It's, it is, it is such this honesty that we're getting from the media these days. And it's, it's not driven by the talent. I mean, you mentioned people like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, and these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They're going to do whatever you tell them to do because you have a very short window to make a lot of money. So I don't necessarily blame them, but you know, you have presidents, you have CEOs, you have news editors, you know, there is, there is a benefit to selling COVID the way it's being sold right now. And, and, and the best way to do it is just put the ever-loving fear into people. And I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist. You know, that's not the point. I, obviously, I work at a hospital and I see what's happening. But I can also tell you that, you know, we can't, I would never have my kids scared. And I always think about it from the perspective of how are you going to raise your kids? That's the most important thing to me. How are you going to try and teach your kids in terms of how to live their life? And fear is not one of them. And, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make. It's we're, we're getting a lot of dis, dishonesty in our media. And I, I, I want you to watch that stuff more. And part of the reason why I see it is because I have a range of different things that I watch and see, not just, you know, the discredited things that you talk about. I listen to some of that. I listen to some of the left. I listen to some of the right. I, you've got to be a critical thinker, in my opinion. Don't be married to everything that you have access to and that, and that they're telling you is the truth. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> we've gone off the rails here. I apologize. No, 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 no. Is- I think, I think, honestly, I think something like this is very, very uh, interesting and intriguing. And, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy this kind of conversation. Dano, I'd love to uh, uh, get your thoughts uh, uh, to what Tony and I have been uh, going back and forth with. Yeah. 
going back to, you know, masks not being 100% effective, nothing is 100% effective. It doesn't mean that you don't wear condoms or you don't wear a seatbelt or you don't smoke. It's a virus. Absolutely. Right. So you, so you follow public guidelines that, you know, our, our, our elected officials have put in place to benefit as many people as they can. Is it, is it foolproof? Is it going to hit 100% of people? No. Um, but these guidelines are put in place and nobody's forcing anybody to do anything that they don't feel that they want to do. Because again, you're, you're within your right to do that. But if you want to, you know, let's just use seatbelts as an example. I can imagine a time where people were, you know, all, I'd rather die than wear a seatbelt because you can't tell me what to do and this is my car and this is my personal space. But when it comes to the safety of you and other people around you and other people sharing the road, then, you know, you, you, you can't come into this space where there's millions of different people with millions of different backgrounds, millions of different views of the world and beliefs. So we try to set one standard for everybody, which is almost impossible to do. And Democrats, you know, sort of get into that. uh, They they get criticized for not being able to govern because they try to keep everybody happy and it's impossible to keep everybody happy. So, you know, to, to sort of, you know, make it come full circle to what we're talking about with the Vancouver uh, Anthem singer, where the, the recommendation from our um, public health officials is that masks are beneficial to um, slowing the spread of this disease. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to give it to somebody else. But if you're in a closed space, if you can't avoid being in a closed space with somebody, if both people are wearing masks, then the likelihood of transmitting that disease comes down significantly. So for a guy, you know, we, we went off the rails now. We've been talking about this for an extra 10 or 15 minutes now. So do you think that the Vancouver Canucks want their fans when they're ultimately back in the, in the stadium, watching this guy sing the national anthem, having this dialogue in their mind or being not focused on the game or Brock Besser or Elias Peter, uh, Pedersen or uh, even forget who their goalie is, uh, Thatcher Demko or whatever his name is. And all they're thinking about is that this guy. Yeah, it's Brain Holpe now. Brain Holpe. Brain Holpe, correct. Yeah. And I knew that there was somebody. So, you know, you know what I mean? So, I guess to to go back to a corporation's point of view where I'm putting on a show and I don't want people distracted by conversations that aren't my show. And this anthem singer made it about, uh, he, you know, he's well within his right to stand up for what he believes. But like Colin Kaepernick, you have to be willing to lose something if you're going to go out and make a stand like that. And especially knowing that how sensitive this issue is how polarizing this issue is you know for a guy in his position to do that it, it was dumb and he should have expected to be fired um and then to hide behind free speech is is is, is, is not the case because nobody's saying that he can't say what he said or he can't rally against what he's rallying against but there may be consequences because if i yes. disagree with you and if i'm in charge of your employment i'm within my rights to not have you be associated with my product sure so, and, you know, I, I think that there is uh, something as, uh, you know, Tony brings up a point of why somebody like the Vancouver Canucks took the position that they did. Um, there, you do include other um, uh, scenarios as well. A woman has become the first to uh, be a part of a uh, Power Five conference, uh, a football team in the NCAA the Vanderbilt Commodores uh, being a kicker just recently scored an extra point being the first woman to do so on November 17th, 
seven uh, NFL referees became the first all black officiating crew in one game. And I think that there are uh, tie-ins to what we had talked about before to this and is, do we automatically get cynical to uh, these being token gestures that it is a way to perhaps capitalize by introducing uh, a unique scenario. Uh, Tony, uh, what are your thoughts to this? Is, is there, can we just, I guess, uh, identify that this is some, uh, an, a movement towards progression or is this something uh, just to be skeptical of towards why this has happened? I look at some of these as social stunts, in my opinion. That's what they are at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old, guys. I've been surrounded by a lot of powerful women, lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of strong women. And I've also seen some tremendous accomplishment by women in all facets of the world in my lifetime. So to watch this story with Sarah Fuller, which is nice, I guess, um, if, if that's, if I could honestly put myself in a woman's body and mindset and say, if this is our representative of women's movement, I want no part of it. I'm sorry. There was a stunt 25 yard squib kick done when your team's down 21, nothing designed to make sure she doesn't get hit. And then she kicks a field goal, an extra point yesterday. The only kick she attempted, by the way, wonderful. Um, I'm pretty sure if this wasn't an 0-9 football team, she wouldn't be getting this opportunity. But um, like I said, I, I've seen women accomplish incredible things in my lifetime. And, I've, and I live and have strong women around me all the time who accomplish things that doesn't involve sports or business or anything like that. This, to me, is this does not advance any kind of women's movement. Look, it, it would be really romantic if uh, Sarah Fuller uh, was a wideout who made a, a catch like Odell Beckham Jr. when he was uh, part of the New York uh, Giants. That uh, isn't the case. But in my opinion, one step is any step. And if this is uh, the way that football gets introduced to more uh, girls and women, then... What's to hurt? If what, uh, what's the damage if uh, she is a part of a bad team? Dano. Yeah, I, I I agree with both of you. More so, Randy, as as per usual, but uh, but I agree with Tony where the squib kick you know, as as an isolated incident or isolated uh, happenstance, it was it was almost again I hesitate. I want to tread lightly, but uh, you know. It, it's almost embarrassing to her and to and to the movement where if, if, if she's going to play the game, let her play the game. Don't put her in a position where she's barely kicking it down the field because we know that she's got the chops to kick it. Exactly. We know that she's got the skill. So let her play the game. Uh, but I agree with Randy, uh, you know, and this is where I sort of land ultimately where, you know, change doesn't happen in a weekend. They happen with, with, with micro movements. You know, now we've got uh, the, the first female GM of a major sports team in North America with the Miami Marlins. And she, I'm sure she started out as an analyst somewhere, getting somebody's coffee or, you know, the, the proofreading a GM uh, press release. So she had to start somewhere. 
and we've got uh, we've got female refs in the NBA. We've got female coaches in the NBA. So I think that we're again, it's it's not happening as quickly as as maybe even it should be. Um, but you know the way you know the way white males are. They're they're very reluctant to uh, to give up their spot. And I know this is audio, so let me just clarify that I am a white male. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pointing the fingers at anybody that that's not, you know, who's represented by me, but, but that's the way it is. And especially in sports, sports is, is, is notoriously been an old boys club where women weren't allowed. Minorities, minorities weren't allowed until somebody with, um, either take somebody with an extraordinary skill where they can't be ignored in someone like Jackie Robinson or maybe Willie O'Ree, um, or it takes a, a futile gesture, gesture, like letting, um, uh, like letting Sarah, you know, kick a squib kick that doesn't mean anything for a team that's not challenging for anything. But ultimately, they all lead to the same goal where it is more than what was allowed the week before or more than was accepted the week before. And then it sets the bar a little bit higher. So then the next time, you know, they're given more responsibility or more challenges or more opportunities to fit in a place where they weren't necessarily welcome before. Yeah. Um, I, I sorry to interrupt, Daniel, but I, I think that one example that has to be identified and, you know, between the three of us, um, Manon Rayom, when in 1992 uh, took part in exhibition uh, hockey with the Tampa Bay Lightning, played one period, and was she a trailblazer to uh, women's hockey? But women's hockey has evolved uh, quite a bit from the past uh, 40 plus years. And I think that there are definitely uh, comparables between Manuel Rayom and Sarah Fuller. Uh, Tony, do you think, um, do you, do you uh, see uh, that? Is there uh, something that uh, you don't think that uh, relates? Uh, no, I don't, I don't see the, the connection because I think, you know, if, if there's if there's a women's football league that gets created out of this, I guess. But why do women have to play with men? That's my question. Why why is this such a big deal that women have to perform against men in sports? In sports, like full contact professional sports. I mean, let's not deny the science. If we don't want to, if we want to, if we want to talk about science when it comes to COVID-19, guys, we got to talk about the science when it comes to men and women. How, how, why do we need women? Why do women have to perform against men in sports? It's, it's dangerous. Is I, it I, not? I, think, I, I think that there is uh, I think there's a very easy uh, answer to that. And okay. Uh, so let's hear I, it. In terms of basketball, in terms of hockey, in terms of baseball, uh, skill for skill, men, uh, men's leagues are of an elite level. And if a woman is able to uh, compete at that level, so what if she's a woman? Well, I don't care if she, I, I, I wouldn't care. Like if, if the Penguins drafted a woman first overall and she could play, she could play, but she, there's, there's been no proof in my lifetime that a woman could step into the NHL or the NFL or the NBA and, and, and consistently perform night in, night out with the rigors. It's, it's just science. That's all I'm saying. It's it, once upon a time, it was okay to say there are some things men can do that women can't do. There are some things women can do that men can't do. I don't see it ever being a possibility is all I'm saying. I'm not saying 
don't give them a chance. I'm just telling you that why is it so important for women to play professional sports against or with other men? Why is that such a big deal? Now, you want to talk about money. You want to talk about where, where the appeal is. There is no appeal. <laughs> That's just it. Nobody's watching women's sports. I say nobody. It's it's an exaggeration, but th that's the difference. The difference is what attracts money and what doesn't. That's it. It's that simple. I don't look at it from a sexist point of view. I look at it from a reality point of view. It's just I don't get this infatuation with having to put women in a men's sport and see if if you can find if if it happens, great. If you know, starting linebacker for your Buffalo Bills, whoever. That'd be awesome if she can sustain a career getting pounded by, you know, 300-pound men. Bring it on. I'd love to watch it. I just, I don't want it forced down my throat when we know good and well, realistically, that it's, it's nearly impossible for it to happen. From a scientific standpoint, follow the science, guys. Follow the science. <laughs> No, yeah, no, any, keep, uh, any uh, keep, uh, thoughts? Let, let me preface Sorry. by saying, let me say this. For, if I stepped on the field against Sarah Fuller, play soccer, she'd eat me to, for, for lunch. She'd sure. eat me alive. Let me just point that part out. I'm not saying I'm superior to her. I'm just talking about all things being equal, professional versus professional. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I think yeah. I've said enough. Move on, Dan. Tell me how much <laughs> you, Tell me how much you disagree with me now, Dan. No, it just, it, but it all, it, and maybe this is the, the sort of the, uh, the, the, the tree hugging hippie in me, but nobody should be denied an opportunity just because of who they are. Women, uh, immigrants, you know, disabled, whatever. If, if, I agree with you. If they can prove that they can play, and I would imagine that there's a lot of women out there who can, who can play better than the first name that comes to mind just because I have a sort of a weird inbred hatred for them is Matt Stajan. I'm sure that there is a woman who can play better than Matt Stajan <laughs> on a consistent basis in the NHL, but she's not given the opportunity or not even considered just because she's a woman. Hang so that his spot would be given to, and there's a lot of guys in the NHL, NFL, MLB who play one game and then disappear. You know, we were talking about Wayne Gretzky's hockey card being sold for a million dollars with with family yesterday. So it naturally brought us to bring out all of our cards and scan through them to see if we had that card in our collection. And yeah. the names that, that just don't, you know, resonate that had zero career, but were afforded that opportunity just because they were a, a guy is, I think, in, is, is the inherent uh, problem that we're trying to solve for. And, I, and I, you know, Tony, on, 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 on average, you know. Well, hang on. Go were they give, were they given that opportunity because they were guy Dan or were they given that opportunity because they might have been really really good in junior got no. drafted into the NHL and was no. they were going to be given a game like no, again you know, but 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 even if you want to go guys against guys a, a guy a guy like me or a guy who went to St Mike's and has that St Mike's cloud around him and maybe came from wealth where I didn't his doors are more open than mine would we agree he would probably make it to the NHL if his name was Granado. Versus me, who's Legere, right? Sure, he sort okay. of ha already has that upper hand. So, in the mm -hmm. sense of male versus female, it's the same thing. Males shouldn't have that upper hand just because they're a male. If you want to put LeBron and uh, you know whoever the best female uh, basketball player is on the planet up against each other, LeBron will come out ahead ten times out of ten. He's got he's got better stature, he's got better skill, he's got better 
uh, physicality, all those things. But to tell me that in a league of 300, 400, I don't even know how many players play in the average league. Let's just use 500 for round numbers that there's not one woman on the planet who's better than those 500 guys in the league. And, and this was a problem in management up until recently. It was a problem in refereeing up until recently. Why do women want to referee men's football when they can referee women's football? Well, it's, go fuck yourself. It's because I can. And you've got daughters. Tony. They, you don't could want ref- any they could, they could referee it, no problem. They could referee it, no problem. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're yeah. telling me that they well, can coach, uh, coach <laughs> as well. They can coach. They can referee it, no problem. Like, yeah, of course. But I, 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 I wonder... wonder. I you can talk about third liners if we're talking about you know uh, even uh, bench players uh, you know reserves sixth seventh twelfth man on a basketball court. You're telling me that um, you know somebody in, in the the the, M- the MVP of the WNBA can't sit on the Raptors bench and be their twelfth player. Hmm. I don't buy that. I mean, and yeah, I think well, it's I... only like that way because one guy's a guy and one girl is a girl, and that's the problem. And right. it's, not that we're, it's, not, it's not that we're forcing it. We're just saying, listen, we want to live in a world where we, everybody feels included. Everybody feels welcome. Everybody feels like they have a chance to succeed. And if I can't succeed because I'm a woman, if I can't make those endorsement deals just because I'm a woman, that's bullshit. I, 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 wonder, I wonder as well, guys, and I, I do say this in all sincerity, was there the same argument before Jackie Robinson appeared with the Brooklyn Dodgers? And yeah, you know, absolutely, Randy. A lot of people say, "Why do why do Negroes want to play in the Major League Baseball? Can't they have their own Negro League?" Which they did for a little bit. So yeah. it was the same thing. And, and again, you know, re- relating masks to seatbelts or smoking inside, there's this 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 change that we know we need to make as as a society, whether it's uh, just in gesture or not. But sometimes gestures go a long way. I, I, I'm blanking on, on the woman's name who played the exhibition game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. To me, you, okay, so so uh, Madame Rayon, there you go. I did, that sort of French inflection was a little bit better. Yeah, no, it's that was smooth, Dano. Okay, so 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 to most of us, especially hockey fans, it probably meant nothing, and it was probably just a joke. But to a, a little girl who thought, "I'll never play in the NHL," and it seems like a Disney movie, it seems like a fairy tale, but these are the real real life moments that, you know, that, that, that sort of change our lives. I was just telling a story yesterday about, uh, you know, I went into a bathroom once, I think it was in grade two, went to the bathroom and I pulled my pants all the way down to my ankles to pee. And the guy behind me told me that I don't have to do that. I don't have to pull my pants all the way down. I could just whip my dick out and I can pee without anybody seeing my ass. And it's a moment like that, that to you guys, you know, it's a funny story to somebody else. They may have teased me about it. But that guy changed my life in a sense, and I still haven't forgotten. And I'm almost 40 years old, so you know, we, you know, it sort of all ties into what we're talking about about micro movements, uh, and whether or not these moments are, you know, significant enough in their moment to change something. They're probably not, but over time, 10, 20 years, 30 years, again, Tony, when your daughters get older, they won't be uh, even considered to be less than a guy who has the same skill. You know what I mean? And, and, and mm-hmm. it's important that we sort of stick on that track and, and maybe sometimes do these PR stunts just to show that, you know, we as a society, and again, and, and you're not going to please everybody. You know, if you talk to three of us, you'll get three different opinions on everything. But generally, we want to be one that's inclusive and inviting and, uh, you know, 
the land, the, the sort of North America land of opportunity where anybody can be anything um, just because they're good enough to do it and not because they are anything else. And I, I think that there is something about just baby steps that uh, you don't have to have an all-star uh, who is, uh, say, uh, from the opposite sex uh, in the uh, most elite level in uh, that sport. But whether this evolves into uh, a professional league or more uh, amateur programs for girls uh, in uh, various sports, uh, you know, I think it's uh, uh, whether yeah, and it's whether it is. Even if it does nothing, it's fine. You know what I mean, if, if this doesn't solve the problem, if this doesn't get women into football on a more occasion or a more often occasion, or if it doesn't open up programs, that's fine. You know, if, if society tells us over time that this is not what we want, it's not what we need, uh, there's no need in, in putting, you know, all this money and effort behind something that's ultimately not going to be cared about. That's fine. But we can, we can show that there are possibilities, that there are different ways of thinking, that there are, uh, you know, things that we can do to show you know, people that, uh, that that this is a place that you can come and earn uh, based on merit or based on skill. And, uh, you know, Tony, uh, I, I, again, with regards to the uh, conversation that the three of us had before in that previous episode, like I really do admire uh, your opinion on, um, on uh, everything that we do talk about, uh, you know, because really the, um, my opinion, which may be similar to Dan's, I, I mean, I, I really do uh, applaud and uh, appreciate uh, your uh, your point of view because it, it just it to me it's just you know you can't have uh, rose colored glasses and not identify and appreciate the other side, uh, you know, and uh, I think that that's why I really do uh, admire and appreciate uh, uh, discussions between the three of us, and you know. Uh, it, it, like there are there is definitely validity to um uh what you have uh, said uh, all along absolutely but i think that there is uh and you know it does uh fall into uh the deaf ears of the other side of the argument and having the kind of uh dialogue that is constructive and respectful i mean you know that's oh, those uh, those days are over <laughs> no, uh, those days are continuing and it's continuing well, with the three of us. No, no, they're good. They're good here. But I'm saying in general, it, those days seem to be over where it, yeah, you see it all the time. It's really strange. Uh, and that's why I think I'm so committed to my views and my thoughts and not wavering because you got to have some critical thinking. You got to think for yourself sometimes, too. I don't see a lot of that out there. I'm not saying you guys don't think for yourselves. I'm just saying. Um, it's a different time, man. It really is a different time. And we've become super sensitive. We've become like the stupid woke cancel shit. I've got no time for whatsoever. And it's not the life I grew up in. It's not the Scarborough I grew up in. It's not the multicultural situation I grew up in. There was, you know, there was a lot of friendships, a lot of things that as, as groups of friends from different nationalities, just, you know, identity politics, I, I didn't look at that stuff. First black coaching crew ever. First black this. First black woman. I pray we get to a point where we got to stop saying that. You know, just 
even if you watch Joe Biden announce his staff and if you read the newspaper and how each of them are viewed, oh, this is a Cuban American. This is the first Asian, you know, like he's got two Asian Americans. Are you qualified? That's what I want to know. I want to know how qualified. Tell me what you did in your past to become, you know, minister of finance or whatever the hell the position is. That's where I come from. And by the way, Colin Kaepernick's um, ice cream is not real ice cream because it's non-dairy. That's garbage. <laughs> so now you're going against the lactose intolerance. Yeah. And, 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 I and I guarantee you he made it non-dairy because, you know, dairy is white and white is horrible. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, but anyway, you, had, you had you had me there until you said that. But uh, <laughs> uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, at What's Up Podcast, and uh, you know, to Tony's point, yeah, we all want to see uh, the best available options. But uh, you know, after uh, identifying the first person to do A, B, and C. I think the reality is, is that there is going to be a time where people are definitely going to be judged by their talents and skill and not exactly where they come from. Dano Con and Tony. Con content of character. Do you remember who said that? Not to judge a person by the color of their skin or the, but by the content of character. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I have an idea who that was. Uh, okay. It's time <laughs> we start following that a little bit more. Dano, Tony, it's always great to see you guys and uh, speak to you guys. Hope you are, are doing well. And if we don't speak uh, before Christmas, want to wish you and yours the very best for the holiday season. And here is hoping that 2021 is a hell of a lot better than this current year. So let me just uh, impart whatever <laughs> wisdom I can on, on that note. Uh, you know, going into something, expecting it to be uh, better is setting yourself up for failure. You know, life is, if we, if we all look back on our lives, life is just a series of obstacles. And this one is a big, big obstacle. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, you, you hope for cleaner roads and, and less potholes and, and bumps. Um, but those are going to happen. And, you know, I'm confident that you guys and everybody listening, uh, you, should, you should be aware and feel confident in yourself that you do have the ability to weather the storms because you have and you are. And you will continue to do so. So you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, what what, uh, what what Randy and I may agree on doesn't mean that we're right, Tony. And and, and I think that's part of the point where, um, you know, we all see the world a little bit differently, even though we share the same air, the same sun, the same roads. Uh, but all our worlds are completely different. So just uh, keep on keeping on. We'll live to see tomorrow. If nothing, nothing, else. nothing but love. That's it. Nothing For but sure. love. Love, For love sure. you guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>